Well, good afternoon. I bring you greetings from Beckenham. Uh, I've just come from Beckenham. Their, their auditorium is full. They are celebrating their one-year anniversary. And, uh, you know, thank you to many of you who've prayed and given and supported them uh, that they might be successful. And it's, it's great to see that the Word of God doesn't just change us as individuals, but it in, changes us as a group. And as a church, we have an identity as well. Kevin expressed in that video so clearly that God had done something new in his heart. And he had a new identity. And we're going to look at that together this morning. We're going to answer that question, who am I? I don't know if, like you, like me, you have a surname or a first name that is a bit tricky. So my surname is DL, and people never know how to spell it or pronounce it. And so whenever I'm on the phone particularly, I automatically go into the D-A-L-Z, you know. And maybe, I'm sure, how many others have got names that you just automatically have to spell out? Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of a bit frustrating. I don't really mind the mispronunciation because I know myself, sometimes I don't say people's names right. And it's, it's tricky, isn't it, to learn and know everybody's names. But DL is a Scottish name. And um, my husband's father was Scottish. And the line goes back in Scottish history. And we did a little bit of research, and there were two stories that came out about our family ancestry. The first that was that someone from our family, our clan, had been an ambassador to the French royal court. Mm, yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? The other story that we discovered was that we were sheep stealers. <laughs> Not so good. Not so good. And actually, when my, my father-in-law did a lot more research, there was no evidence for either of those things. And it turned out that the only thing they could trace back was that we had worked on the railways pretty much as soon as steam uh, engines had come to Scotland. But that was all. You know, our culture defines who we are, doesn't it, in many ways. Um, our society around us, what people say, you know, uh, often people react, don't they, to our job title or where we live or our accent. And people kind of define us by that. There's also a lot of kind of... Um, politics around identity as well, you know, sexual identity and race, and those things kind of make us aware of, well, who am I, and what's my heritage, and what makes me, me? I know for most of us, uh, we just want to look like we're succeeding, and that we're happy, and that often we, uh, you know, pay attention to how we dress and how we look to make that happen. Research says that we judge people within seconds of meeting them. And what we're judging them on really is just externals. What they look like, how they sound, uh, where they've come from. And we make those instant decisions about who they are. And sometimes we do that kind of for ourselves. We define ourselves or we put forward a particular side of ourselves. So if you're in a group or a family, sometimes you'll take on a role. Maybe you're the joker, you know, who keeps everything light and keeps everybody smiling. 
or are you the serious person who kind of always brings things back to reality? And if you're in a, a Christian group, you're the one that prays and brings it back. Or maybe you're the organizer in your family. I'm, I'm grateful that my daughter is really good at organizing things. She's already texting me about what we're doing at Christmas you know, what's happening, who's going where, who's buying what, who's doing the food. It's great sometimes to have someone like that in your family. But how does the Bible define us if we are followers of Jesus? Well, let's have a look at 2 Corinthians 5. This is a passage written by Paul. He's addressing a church that has got lots of great things about it, spiritual gifts, and it's growing. But it's also got some sin and uh, ambition and division in the church. So a bit of a mixed bunch. And this is what he says to them. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, this is Jesus, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God." So those are some of the elements that make us who we are if we're believers, that we are reconciled to God, that we are a new creation, that we are Christ's ambassadors, that we are the righteousness of God. And Paul is compelled to remind them of this because they've got a little bit uh, away from that. And in our Restored series, we want to remind each other of the truth of who we are in Christ so that we can grow and we can change. And we hope that you will really connect with this series. You'll come along on Sundays, you'll download the Freedom in Christ app, you'll buy the book and be in a group. It is going to be great. And uh, I'm sure many of us will have great stories of God changing us this term. And what we're about, about understanding who we are in Christ is very different from the world's view of who people are. It's very different from that idea of kind of boosting people's self-esteem and empowering people that sometimes can just mean you're helping people become a bigger, better version of their old selfish selves. And actually, we want to 
regard no one from a worldly point of view, but actually be recreated from the inside out and not be worried about what people look like or their status or their job, but see them as a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, part of the same family. Because if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone. The new is here. This isn't just a patching up of creation. It's changing us from the inside out. You know, humanism says that we are all basically good. And with help, the right environment and the right education, we're all going to turn out just fine. And in fact, we're all going to get better. But if you've spent any time with a toddler you'll know that actually we are a mixture of good and bad. Toddlers, they hate, to re- they hate to share. They love to say no. Uh, they are basically selfish. I remember when my boys were little and they went to a local nursery and in that nursery was a shiny red race car. It was a pedal car. And when the doors opened... The kids all would push and shove and run in there because they wanted to get into that race car. I don't know why they didn't buy several of them, but anyway. And and it brought out in the worst in them. And there was definitely some pushing and shoving. And once someone got in there, they weren't going to move. And, you know, we might be a little more, you know, better mannered. But actually, that selfishness, And that sinfulness is in all of us. And despite our best efforts sometimes, we find it hard to be patient and kind. We are all a mixture. Now, don't get me wrong. It's good to lift people up. It's good to affirm people. It's good to value people because every single person is made in the image of God. But often that, well, always that image is marred and broken and spoiled because of sin. I like to watch the program, Who Do You Think You Are? I don't know if anybody else likes to watch that. And it's usually a celebrity and they, they go back into their ancestry and their heritage Often they get to travel to other countries and they find out, usually there's some surprises, who they are and who their ancestors were. And this series, there was a great episode with actress Naomi Harris. Um, She came from the Caribbean, so she got a really good journey. She went not only to Trinidad and Grenada, but to Jamaica, and she traced all her ancestors Now, of course, she knew that there was going to be some tough moments because she was going to see that heritage of her uh, great-grandparents who had been slaves. And it was was very moving seeing her actually in the plantation where her five-times-great-grandmother had been a slave. And that was very moving and hard for her to hear the brutality of those days. But the thing that she didn't expect to find out was that her four times great-grandfather had actually been involved in the exploitation of slaves as they had been free. He had then enslaved them again. 
And that was really hard for her to come to terms with. But the reality is, we are all a mixture of good and bad. Things that we can be proud of, things that we are ashamed of. The reality is, we all track our ancestors back to Adam and Eve. They chose in the garden to disobey God, to disbelieve his words, to rebel. And that opened up an inner world of sin and disease and death and guilt that runs through every human heart. Jesus knew this, but he also valued every human. And we, we see him in the New Testament. He moves towards people who were classed as sinners, people who were drunkards and prostitutes and tax collectors. And he would have meals with them and sit down with them and, and tell them truth and explain how they could be forgiven their sin and find a way back. But he also met with religious leaders, people who looked great on the Sabbath with their prayer shawls and all the laws carefully obeyed. And he challenged them too. And so we're going to read from John chapter 3 about one of those religious leaders that he met, a man called Nicodemus. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish religious council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God was not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. So here's this man, he's got everything covered, he obeys the law, he does everything, he's a high ranking Pharisee, and Jesus is challenging him, saying, It doesn't matter about all those things if your heart isn't changed, if you haven't been born again, if you haven't humbled yourself and come to faith. And in fact, later in the passage, it explains how Jesus came to earth, that that will be possible. In John 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him to save us, to give us the opportunity to be born again, to be cleansed, to be made a new creation. Last week, 22 people were baptized across the sites at King's. It was great. If you were here and heard the testimonies last week in the 11.30, it was absolutely brilliant. Stories of joy and freedom and transformation. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you put your faith in Jesus last Sunday or many, many years ago. You are a new creation. That defines who you are. 
and should transform how you live. That's your identity, that you have been born again. And being born again is a great picture because if you think about a brand new baby, that baby is still dependent and weak and has to grow. You know, it can't feed itself, it it can't keep itself clean. And yet, right from the first second, it is a full member of the family he or she enters into. And we too, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, even though there's still stuff to tidy up and work on, we are a full member of God's family. We're born through the Spirit. The Spirit works in our hearts and brings us to life. And all that Jesus has done on the cross is is kind of transferred to us. And our sins, the punishment we deserved is dealt with, and we receive forgiveness and righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, as we read earlier, in verse 21, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the amazing grace of the gospel that not only did he take our punishment so that we're forgiven and we come up to kind of zero, but also he gives us his righteousness so that we are seen by God as holy and included and welcomed into the family. This is grace. We're no longer defined by what we've done, by what, but by what he has done for us. Paul no longer addresses us as sinners. If you look in the New Testament, sinners are people who've never put their trust in Jesus. But instead, Paul says, you were once sinners. But now, he says, God no longer is counting our sins against us. How brilliant, how fantastic that he has done it all for us. And so Paul then goes on to address the people of God as saints. He's not saying they're perfect. They're not like those pictures in stained glass windows of people who are kind of like above us all, perfect. Everything in their life is just so. No, we're still ordinary people. We're still a work in, tr- in progress. But, you know, we are no longer sinners who sometimes act like a saint. We are saints who sometimes sin. And that makes a world of difference. Let me say that again. We're no longer sinners who sometimes act like saints. We are saints who sometimes sin. The New Testament uses the word saint or holy ones, depending on the translation, over 200 times. We are are saints. You are saints. You are holy if you've put your trust in Jesus. Even this morning as I was reading my Bible, I I read the beginning of Philippians and it's addressed to, says this, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. It could have easily be addressed to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Catford. Because it's just addressed to ordinary Christians. It's not to leaders or special people. It's to everyone. 
Now, of course, that, that's hard for us to take on board sometimes. And we, we find it hard to think of ourselves as saints. We know our own failings and weaknesses, don't we? And of course, if we say that we never sin, we're deceiving ourselves. The Bible says that. We all need forgiveness, often many times a day, but that doesn't take away from the fact that we are a new creation, that we are holy and set apart. Some of us are like newborn babies, aren't we? We've still got an awful lot of growing and maturing to do. Some of us maybe have wandered away from the family a little bit, and God is maybe calling you to come back and start that process again of seeing who you are and who you can be in Christ. You know, Jesus told a story about a young man who wandered away in Luke 15. It's a, it's a young man who rebelled against his father and he asked for his inheritance because he wanted to just go and do his own thing. And he went to the city with his money and had, did all the things that probably the father would have never allowed him to do. He, he lived that party life and he squandered the money and eventually he hits rock bottom. His friends have gone, his money is gone, and he ends up, the only job he could find was caring for pigs. And remember, in Jewish culture, they were unclean. He's so desperate, he's even willing to eat the pig food. He's at rock bottom. And then he comes to his senses and he decides, well, I don't think my father will have me back. I've brought so much shame to the family but maybe he might have me back as a servant or, you know, as a farm laborer. And at least I'd have a roof over my head and I would be better off. So he goes back to home. Even as he's quite a long way off, the father sees him and he runs towards him and he hugs him and he welcomes him and he takes him back into the household, back into the family. He puts a robe on his shoulders and a ring on his fingers to say, you're back, you're my son. There's no way you're going to be a servant. You're you're back in with me. He's given the robe because he's a son. It, It wouldn't have been the right clothes for someone who looks after pigs, but it was the right clothes for the son. And you know today... Regardless of how you feel about yourself, the mess you might be in, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, you are a son or a daughter of the King. You are righteous. You're holy on the inside. And you are clothed with Christ. You've been born into the family and he will never, ever let you go. Some of you here today, you might never have made that decision to follow Jesus. You might feel like you are far, far away. But the offer is here today because the Father loves every single one of us. And you can come home today. You can be welcomed in. You can find out more about who Jesus is and find faith in him. So we're part of the family once and for all. But we need to grow, don't we? 
And Paul in Ephesians and Colossians, he talks about this as like putting off old clothes, taking off the old habits and putting on new clothes, the habits that are appropriate for a son or daughter. And that's the process. We're not passive in this. In Ephesians 4.22, he says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We have to live up to the family likeness of holiness and righteousness, to be made new in our, in our attitudes. And, and we're going to be doing that as we go through the Restored series. We're going to be taking truth and applying it to our lives and being transformed by it. Then we will be ambassadors for him. We'll, we'll be as reconcilers. We'll know not only we're right with God, but that, that good news will spill out into our lives. Paul says that we shouldn't receive God's grace in vain. So the challenge is for us to live up to who God defines us to be, a child of God. You know, in a few minutes, we're going to break bread together. And as we take the bread and the juice, they are symbols of everything Christ did for us, that he was made sin for us, that we might be made righteous, that he was broken, his blood was spilt, that we might be forgiven. So as you take those, um, the bread and the juice, take in again this truth of who you are in Christ and be grateful and full of joy that we are children of God. As part of Freedom in Christ, there are a number of times in the, in the course where we will declare truth. And I want us now to declare the truth of who we are. All these declarations are from the New Testament and they've been turned into words that start, I am. And uh, you, you know, they're just so powerful that I want us to say them together. Now, again, if you're not yet a believer, don't worry. Just look at them and think, okay, that's what they think Christianity is about. That's what defines them. And consider these these grace declarations. So let's have the declarations on the screen. Who I am in Christ. Let's say them together. I am accepted. I renounce the lie that I am rejected unloved or shameful. In Christ, I am accepted. God says, I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord and I am one spirit with him. I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint, a holy one. I have been adopted as God's child. 
I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. Amen. Let me pray and the band is going to come up. Dear Lord, we thank you that you have done everything for us to be complete in Christ. Your son, Jesus, died that we might be forgiven. And you have changed us from the inside out if we have believed in you. Lord Jesus, sometimes it's difficult to kind of take in that truth, receive that truth. And so, Lord, as we take some moments to reflect on it, will your Holy Spirit bring it to life in our hearts that we are loved, we are accepted, we are children of God, we are holy because of all Christ has done for us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.